Before we start this episode today, I just want to take a quick minute to thank Town Square Brewing for their continued support on this podcast and this little project of mine. With the seasons changing, I feel there's no no better time for a fresh ad read. So if I can take a minute to promote some of their crisp, lighter summer flavors, as well as Radwater. Now I know that they have fully non-alcoholic options, like a Talus Water and a Peach Sour. I've, I've tried all of the above. They're all great. Can't say enough nice things about these guys. They've been a, a joy to work with. Once again, Town Square Brewing, if you haven't tried any of their products already, I really recommend you do. 18 plus, obviously drink responsibly, please. And uh, yeah, that's it, really. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. No, thank you again. I was saying before we we hit record, but I'm I'm super excited about this conversation. I've I have so many questions. Uh, I've been watching Zine and Heard from around the beginning. I guess like I think I saw Lyle share a post of yours. Maybe it was a few weeks after you launched, but I think you had less than a, a hundred followers at that point. And then just to watch like the the consistent output of information that you're offering people and seeing people that I follow sharing it, like people who I had no idea like had any kind of like ties to it or almost like interest in the subject matter in the beginning and to see it shared so much and to see the account growing and more and more people touched by what you're putting out there it's incredible you you must I mean experiencing it firsthand is probably better than me even watching it so how does that like feel it's I'm just so happy I'm so happy that that you know, the reach is, the reach is happening. Uh, I'm super grateful. And by the way, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I, oh, you're welcome. It means so much to me. I was just so touched when you reached out. Um, so thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And yeah, to see, I'm just really grateful that I am able to do this scene. Um, it's, it's definitely a passion project. And it's, man, it's, it's working. I mean, I knew it would work, but it's, it's going above and beyond uh, our expectations. Uh, You know what? I, I always ask people this sort of question, but when, when something like this works, because I've had feelings doing certain things of, of my own where I'm, not going into it with any sort of arrogance, really, but the confidence of just knowing, like, I'm I'm sort of on to something that may or may not work, but I would I would think, you know, everything aligns and it's gonna work out. 
So what, if you can sum it up, like what made you think that it was going to work when you like initially kind of can, uh, conceptualized all of it? Like, was there anything that you felt was going to like really uh, resonate with people? And that would kind of be the reason that it did take off and the momentum would grow? Well, I think youth and care, foster kids, I think it's something that the average person doesn't really know a lot about. Right. Uh, you know, just someone said to me the other day, oh, yeah, I, I went to school with a foster kid, but he was he was only there for two months, and I never knew what happened to him, and that's the only um, foster kid I ever knew. Um, and we, what what this sort of um, sprang from was a book that we published in 2020 right. called um, The Youth and Care Chronicles, and I'll just hold it up here. Uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, I knew a guy that was um, part of the Youth Speakout group, former Youth and Care. I'd actually known him since he was 15, and they were wanting to write a book to share stories of former youth and care. So during the pandemic, I got a hold of them and I said, I'm, I'm laid off. I'm not doing anything. Can I help you? Can I help you publish that book? And so I became lead editor and project manager. And it's 18 stories of former youth in care. The book was really well received. It's being used in universities and other learning institutions. Um, and really, it's it's kind of a one of a kind book so the the stories really aren't out there so ever since we published that book in november of 2020 i just kept thinking how can we keep putting those stories out there how can we keep raising awareness and sharing and so last fall it was like zine we're gonna do a zine and i had absolutely no hesitation number one because of because of the book and because I know how important it is, right. but also um, because of the humanness that is out there uh, everywhere. And uh, I just think it's, yeah, important, important for people to know, because, you know, you think you're one of the most marginalized groups in Canada, right. I would have to say. So I, I'm, I'm not at all surprised by the response. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. I'm so happy um, to be able to share these stories, and um, you know, I'm just getting so much feedback from youth in care who are in the zine, who want to be in the zine, who maybe will never want to be in the zine, but they feel so validated. Right. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's amazing. It's like you're definitely platforming and like giving a voice to people who who have amazing stories to share and definitely deserve to have their voice amplified and maybe weren't ever going to have that voice amplified. But since you've kind of spearheaded this, it it's like I've just from reading the I mean, the issues and, and the social media posts, I've learned a lot about all the things that you're promoting just through, like, the people's stories. 
So mm-hmm. I totally, I understand why it would resonate with a large group of people just based on like how I feel it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you sending me your website. It, it gave me uh, some research to do ahead of time. And I'm, I'm wondering like in, in your time, in in zines and stuff like prior to this were there any projects that were like sort of similar or you know at least aligned in in the same ethics that you saw like attempt to exist and then not be able to make it in the long run in in the city um not in the city, but this kind of ties in with your earlier question about what made you think this was going to work. About 25 years ago, I I did a, a zine project with, um, a, a, it started out as a very small group of uh, youth in the small community where I live who were in, in very dark places, um, weren't going to school didn't have a purpose, were, you know, involved in pretty negative activities. And so I, having always worked with youth, I took this one, just one of those youth aside. And I said, you know, we should start a community newsletter and um, I'll pay you to be my managing editor. And we're going to get some cool stories and we're going to, you know, get the news out there. And then I I gathered up four other youth in town here, same story. And we started this, well, it was a zine like project. Uh, It was really, (laughs) it was quite humorous and um, it was so well received in the community. But the point was it changed people's views on these kids. Right. Because, they got to know them a little better. They got to see that they had talent and they had promise and that they weren't, you know, just these dark forces around town. And what it did was it gave them purpose and it, they became part of this really cool project. And it, it was life changing for, we ended up having 45 youth and all contribute to that publication over about two and a half years and uh, but the the kid that I took to make the managing editor completely turned his life around. Uh, he went back to school. He became very successful. I ran into him about five years ago, and uh, he's he's a journeyman carpenter. He owns his own house. He's done very well. He doesn't uh, have any substance abuse issues. Like his, and he credits that to the zine he credits his involvement in that project for turning his life around and that that's uh, incredible absolutely incredible absolute blast it was a real risk-taking venture as well it was (laughs) because some of our front covers were rather controversial you know uh, very well we all thought they were very funny but you know some of them did cause controversy but controversy is good And everybody just got to talk about their stuff. You know, we had a sports calmness. We had a humor calmness. We had 
um, youth who, I believe we had someone who wrote about skateboarding because at the time we were building a skateboard park here. Right. For example, the mayor was dragging his feet. So we put a picture of the mayor on a skateboard catching some air. And of course he was wearing a helmet. And then inside we had, <laughs> we had a fictitious interview with him on right. why the skate park was not getting built. And lo and behold, we got the skate park built within That's a couple cool. of months of publishing that, um, publishing our newsletter. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of action and the skate park got built. And yeah, so change, it creates, it raises awareness, it creates change. It, um, it, it makes people, like you said, think about, right. you know, not only the, the tragedy, but more importantly, the triumphs, like the triumphs of youth in care are really noteworthy, really noteworthy because they are up against such tremendous odds. Right. And I feel, um, you know, I'm, it's really unfortunate, but I assume the negative parts of of all those youth or is what is talked about more than the positive and the triumphs you guys achieve or always going to be overshadowed by the bad with with the media and the people who are kind of against it all but it's i mean that's incredible that's uh two like very very cool stories like the, the fact that that guy went on to succeed extremely at life and the skate park was built over this like controversial fake interview that that's funny and and amazing how um if, if i can ask uh how are you going about like making the zines back then and then how are you distributing that information like obviously way before any of the, the new tactics, any of the, the kids would use like to promote and just to publish. Yeah, it, it's changed so much. I mean, obviously 25 years ago, uh, kids were handwriting, <laughs> handwriting their stories and, and giving them to Chase and myself. And we had, you know, old clunky computers and we would, I think I used Microsoft Publisher and taught Chase how to use it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what we used. Put it together and then we would photocopy it. And I, we put it in everybody's mailbox here in town. And, and then, you know, left them around at rest, little restaurants and whatnot. And oh, people, people read them cover to cover. Now, of course, I have this wonderful program called Canva. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I am not a graphic artist, never have been. I've just done various kinds of publishing over the years. So, um, so I use the Canva program. It's, it's just so great. We get it published, um, printed through budget printing who are absolutely wonderful people. Cause they're very patient with me because I, you know, I, this is not my real area of expertise. Right. And we, yeah, and we, we print 350 copies. We have a pretty hefty mailing list now. And then we, I think we distribute them to about 17 locations, but that includes agencies and uh, 
some now some skate shops, and I just put them at the Metro Cinema the other night. One of the one of the youth said, "Hey, don't you have these at the Metro?" And I was like, "Yes, of course, I must get them there." Um, but you know, looking for more places to put them. Although, you know, we only have. 350 copies at this time it's all we can really afford to do so right but I answered your question do you um i i love i love talking to zine people who have these things i lately i've been talking to more so it's great i i wish there were more to talk to but do you feel at all like the old way, like the distributing them, like, you know, putting them in everyone's mailbox? I I still say there's something to it. I I feel that that has a different, a more organic reach than all, all of this social media. Like, so if, if you think like Instagram, the, the possibilities are infinite, even though I feel like everyone's up against so much stuff just to get their stuff seen on that app. But just like putting things in a mailbox or under a car windshield or like putting a business card in someone's door handle, I think will always be the best way to do it. Even though I feel like I'm not in the majority with that thought, like that's kind of why it doesn't happen anymore. But do you ever like wish it was that simple or are you happy with the new ways? I'm I'm really happy with the new ways because the reach is, as you said, endless. Right. And that's very exciting because you know your your stories, your your purpose, it, it, it get it's it's everywhere. You know, it can go worldwide. But right. there is nothing like, you know, touching, feeling, smelling, and reading, you know, a hard copy. And I get yeah. that back all the time they are loving loving the physical copy and um being able to you know just pick it up and flip it open and read it so i i do i do love the old ways um it's just something kind of magical about it and i will tell you to this day there is something about seeing your work published right in in the physical copy that is it's very rewarding it's very affirming you know and and i am getting that feedback from this this zine is uh one person whose story is in the um it, or it's a statement that's in the last scene she said when i i mail her the zines and she said, I cried when I saw my work. I, I yeah. cried when I saw it on the page. And um, it, it's really, really powerful. I remember, I know the first time I was ever published, and I mean, oh, that's way back in the 90s, you know, officially published and paid. Man, seeing that in that newspaper was it was it was life changing. It was it was a real moment, and I know that's what this is for anyone who is in the scene. You know, like I said, it's affirming, and they know people are reading, and they know people are caring. It's uh, 
like I I feel that I mean all the content all the stuff that you're sharing is is the most important part but also if you think of it as just like promoting the culture of zines like mm-hmm. no matter what content I think I would I would say you have a, a good hand in that as well because I've seen so many people that I follow sharing your zine and either their stories in it or their friends' stories. And these are people who I've never really known to be interested in publications before I've I've seen this. So I'm wondering if them being involved with you is kind of stirring up like an interest in publications in general. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. And that is really exciting. And and thanks for for sharing that. Because yeah, I like I said, the response has been so positive. And you know, people sharing that I, you know, I I didn't really have any expectations about, you know, who would share and and who didn't, but it, it just shows the level of care. But you know, I did post something a while back. I think we all maybe know someone who grew up in care. Right. Don't know that they grew up in care. It could be your lawyer, your doctor, your dental hygienist, your storekeeper, your mechanic. Um, And because those stories aren't out there, number one. Number two, not everybody wants to share that was part of their life because of the the stigmas like right. you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you only hear the bad things and someone who um, one of the authors from the book, of course he reads the zine every month. And he said, you know, if nothing else, he said, the zine is slowly, but surely going to erase stigma around, around foster care. But um, going back to what you actually asked me was, yeah, I'd love to think that, um that the, the our zine and all the zines out there are going to you know start you know a bit a bit of a zine movement again and maybe you know lots of people said to me oh i want to do my own zine and i'm like well do it like do it and even get it out there in 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 small you know samples i the reason like i did the zine the way I did it in the glossy professional black and white format, as opposed to, you know, the traditional DIY photocopying is to be honest, I wanted it to be first class for the first class people that are in it. I really wanted to, I just really wanted to go top of the line because that's how I feel about the people that are in it. Right. And I mean, that's incredible sentiment. And they, like, if you're saying people feel a sense of pride being published, it's elevated even more when it's like a very crisp, like professional publication. It's just like you would, I mean, it means a lot to be in any publication, but I can, I know what you mean. Like people would feel that extra level of like, we're, we're not only in a zine, we're in a really nice, like a properly folded, like full bleed, stapled, trimmed zine. Yeah, that, I see. That, that's a good idea. Have you uh, 
Like, is that something you just kind of thought of and then practiced yourself? Or do you let the contributors know that the reason it looks this way is out of respect for them? You know, I haven't said that to, I guess I haven't said that to a lot of people. And maybe, you know what, I think I'm going to put that in my next editorial or maybe just have it in a white text on black statement is this is why we do the zine the way we do and I always you know generally will refer to this project as a we project because it's it's me and every single contributor right in the zine like we make it happen I I feel like I'm kind of the machine and every contributor is is uh, an essential part of making it all work and making it making it move uh, in the direction um, that it has has moved. And I'm just so grateful to be the driver, you know, of that machine. But uh, yeah, thank you, Wes. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually share that. Well, I guess I just I just guess I just did. Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully a lot of a lot of your fans are gonna listen to this and hear it hear you say it. But it would also be a great thing to have like transcribed in the zine because I think that the sentiment, uh the whole idea of that is uh will really resonate with I mean readers and contributors alike. Yeah, I, I... I think you're right. It's certainly very expensive to do it this way, but it's it's totally worth it. Um, yeah, 100% worth every penny. And do you, uh, if you don't mind me asking, have you, like, like, have you been printing 350 since issue one, or have you built up to 350 like throughout you like you've done five issues now, right? Yeah. Uh we started with 300 with uh Jesse Jams on the front, our first issue. Right. Uh, so we did 300 of that, and then I did 350 of the next three, and then the skate zine, I did do 400 copies because I knew it was going to be in demand right. um, and so I did 400 copies um I guess the ultimate goal you know maybe by this fall is to be able to print 500 copies and have a wider circulation and you know have more places where you can pick it up and it is 500 like the the kind of sweet spot like would you not want to do more than that even if it was possible oh my goodness if it was possible if i had the funding or the sponsorship or if i had what we needed i would do way more than 500 i you know i'd be wanting to do a thousand copies you know have them in all the libraries schools um for you know more widely distributed to youth i mean that's our number one priority is try to get it in the hands of youth and so but yeah a thousand would be uh very very sweet yes it's uh it's interesting that you mentioned libraries and schools because my next 
question would have been, I guess question and statement was that I see this information being really powerful when it is in libraries and schools. So I was wondering if you were taking the necessary steps to get it showcased in those areas. Is that, I wonder, like, I've never even really thought about, uh, like, I've, I've made zines and stuff, but never really felt they needed to be in schools and libraries. So I have no idea how you would achieve that. But like, is that something you've thought about? Yeah, libraries is uh, this, uh, what are we going into June? So I'm hoping by the time the zine comes out in June, that I have made the made the connections to get them at least into the EPL, like into the Edmonton Public Libraries. Um, there's a couple of schools I really want to connect with who work with, you know, high-risk youth, and obviously they have a lot of youth in care. Uh, it's it's on my list. I mean, when I when we started the zine, I was like, okay, slow growth, right. slow build, and each month you know, look at, okay, how can we expand? Where else could we put this? But libraries is definitely on our radar because like, you know, there's libraries who have actually zine libraries within the library. Right. And I really, yeah. So that's my goal by the end of June is to have uh, the collection in at least a lot of the libraries and some schools. I know it's in a couple of schools, uh, because a couple of our contributors have made a point of getting it in the schools where their ch- own children go. Um, obviously, I'm not. I don't have enough to get into like every high school in in Edmonton, for example. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely opportunity to expand our reach with the physical copies. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's definitely on the list. And, uh, you know, I, I found it interesting that you, you humbly said in the beginning, your plan was to take it slow. I, uh, you know, in my opinion, as an outside observer, I would say your growth has been like anything but slow. <laughs> and, and the reason that I, I find it so, so interesting and intriguing is I've, I've known people you know, over my time that I've kind of had like a, a rise to to fame, let's say, but they're really working at it, right? And, you know, they're almost like not begging, but they're like doing everything to get noticed. So their rise is going to be a bit quicker. I feel that you're like, from what I've seen since the inception is such a, a rapid growth and a momentum build, but it's all really organic and it's all based on like great info that people want to share. There isn't really many like gimmicks or like marketing (laughs) tactics, you know, it's just like people really resonating with what you're making and then sharing it to people and the momentum builds that way. So it's, I mean, I'm not saying either is right or wrong. It's just I feel like the way you've done it is more more impressive to me at least. And uh, I really I I love watching like the people 
taking it and running with it and the fact that you consider it to be a we you know that's a, a prime example right like everyone kind of sharing it and like you were saying you, the the parents of students getting it in schools like everyone is kind of pitching in right which is i mean it happens less and less these days but it, it's very cool to to witness and it it must feel incredible right because your your mission is just to get this info out and the info is is getting out yeah it literally fills my heart with joy it that that's the that's the honest truth and uh it it is an or it is organic a hundred percent i wouldn't even know how to I wouldn't know how to do, uh, you know, that sort of like marketing yeah. or, or, and I, I don't want to, I, I, I don't really know how to, nor do I really care to learn how to, I don't, I couldn't manage that, that kind of thing. And it, it and again, so yeah, this is absolutely the way to go and the way we wanted it to go and it's uh you know i feel like people are just sharing the love and and it's and it's uh it's spreading in a a natural normal um sort of way it is exciting to see more people following us but you know i do you're just making me think of it now people who are following the zine uh their heart it, it's their heart, you know, uh, right. saying, hey, I want to follow this. I want to follow this scene. This is cool. Or this is me. I just got a thank you from someone this morning, a former youth in care. I'm not even sure where they're from, but they said, I've been following your zine from the beginning, and I want you to know that it has been life-changing for me. So... Um, yeah, I think people are following from their hearts and they're following because they care. And I think, and it's also really cool, you know, zines are cool. And so I, I like the way it's going and I like the way that we are growing and I, I think we'll continue to, but I, we probably won't do anything too fancy or too, you know, um, too, too crazy to make it grow. Do you uh, like anticipate needing to grow your staff at all? Like, uh, if you're you're trying to, you know, do more, have more contributors, all this stuff. I wonder if at at some point you're gonna need more people as part of the machine. Yeah. Oh man, that is that's the dream, Wes. Like my dream is to be able to say for example hire a a former a youth in care a former youth in care who wants to be a writer like right. that's their dream they want to be a journalist they want to be a writer they you know that's their passion i would love to hire someone to be like the managing editor or the assistant editor and mentor them and like give them stories and say hey can you need to interview this band you know, or, or could you see if you can um, get this person's story or 
what are your ideas? You know, and so, and to potentially uh, hire, you know, a couple of reporters to, you know, go out and find those stories. Like that's the dream is, is to, I mean, right now, we pay people $10 per contribution. That was very important to me when I came up with this idea. I thought I'm, I'm going to pay people for their contributions because it's just adds that much more confirmation that what you have to say is important and, and that we value what you have to say. And I mean, who doesn't want to get, who doesn't want to get an interact e-transfer for 10 bucks? Yeah. And, yes. It's so I would love to, and that is my goal, is to ultimately have the funding, have the support to be able, I'm so glad you asked me that, is to be able to hire um, people whose passion is also writing. Or maybe I find somebody who's working on becoming a graphic designer. Right. Or uh, some some activist that's like, Oh, can I take the political part of this and run with it? Right. And um, that that would be the dream because that zine we had like 25 years ago, everybody got paid. I paid my you know my managing editor. I paid people for their contributions. I think it was like five bucks back then or something. Um, but I just think I think that's that's important because often we want people to tell their stories, and and it's okay to tell your stories for, you know, no monetary gain or no any kind of gain. But I don't know. It just, it was just important to me that, that that happened. So, but that's the dream, Wes. I, and I, I believe we will accomplish that. I believe, um, I'd say, you know, before the zine is a year old, like I'm really gunning for fall or early in the new year to have at least a little bit of of that in place the when uh when is the year anniversary like when, when was the actual start of this project it was in january okay. yeah, i came up with the idea in i don't know maybe october around wow. by the editorial yeah oh yeah it's like okay I like to get things done. I, I don't need to have a million meetings. Yeah. Or, you know, don't need to, you know, like I, I just find I have found over my lifetime. Sometimes you just need to do it. Yeah. And you don't need, you know, you just don't need a lot of like consulting time and like, oh, this, that, and, you know, policies, procedures. No, you just need to do it. So I all I did was run it by the editorial team of the Youth and Care Chronicles and a handful of other former Youth and Care I knew. I said, this is a really great idea. What do you think? And they're all like, yeah, do it. And so I did it. And that I published the first one in January. And it, it has just grown from there. So yeah, I'd kind of like by before the first anniversary, I would definitely like to be employing at least uh, an assistant editor and actually give them that title and give them a business card and pay them. That's, you know, like I uh, backtracking a little bit to what you were saying, it is 
like, of course, totally fine to, to contribute to these sort of things for no monetization. But nowadays, I feel people are asked to do too much of this stuff for free. Like, not, not at all by you, I'm saying. Even I, like, people all the time ask me to submit some photos to a zine. And uh, it's, like, some zine that I've never heard of from somewhere else in the world, which is very cool. But, the, yeah, it's just, like, hey, can we have your photos for free and make a zine that we're going to make money off? And I feel these days that's, like, standard because of how much social media is out there. Everyone is uh, like doing all this stuff for free, which again, like is fun. But when I, I think that, you know, when I talk to, to people with like some age and seniority in, in this culture, it's like no one did, you wouldn't do any of this stuff for nothing like 30 years ago. You know, they were journalists, like photojournalists. That was a, a huge profession and industry and you know everyone was like working for magazines being paid for everything and now everyone is just like oh can you write this article send us 10 photos size them all like so we're doing none of the work basically yeah it's very it that has really really changed i i just want to tell you a really quick and very moving story i used a photo from uh, a young a young person, I used their photo. I got a hold of them, and I said, "I would really like to use your photo for um, the story." They broke my board, but they didn't break me. And uh, I would like your permission to use it, and I will pay you ten dollars. He said, "I would. What I would like you to do with that ten dollars is go to TP Treats and give them the ten dollars for their." I forget what it's called. Uh, it's it's a meal program that they have right. for people in need. And so I did. I went to TP Treats and I gave the $10 I would have given him for his photo uh, to them to give a meal to someone else. So I, I thought that was so, so touching that he just wanted to pay it forward. And uh, that's what he asked. Uh, asked me to do with the ten dollars, which I, I was more than happy to do. So that uh, that's incredible. You know, that's sort of a I see it as a win-win for everyone because that person was offered to be rewarded for their efforts. So they they're valued in that sense. They're not asked to give things away for free, but then they can also yeah pay it forward. And someone else who may need it more can benefit from it. That that to me seems like the the best thing you could do in that situation. That that's incredible. Whoever whoever that contributor is, the ultimate respect goes out to them. That's that's very cool. And um, yeah, I've I've met you know I've I've heard of people doing that type of thing through all this lately so hopefully like more more comes from that because I feel too like a lot of a lot of people in these situations like your contributors or or just writers photographers designers they kind of they have a lot of power through their talents and if they can use that 
as a way to help people who might need it more that that's always a very powerful thing and it's it's really i feel underutilized i'm i'm seeing more like artists and stuff that i look up to doing like prints for charity or they release a zine and just drop it off at different stores and that money can be donated to charity i i love stuff like that i hope to see more of it and and that's that's incredible that you are a part of that first end but that photographer yeah that was really touching I mean, and i and and some of the contributors like it you know the level of appreciation um that we receive from contributors i i I contacted someone and you know who had contributed to the last scene. I said, "Oh man, I owe you ten bucks. Can I e transfer it?" I, I had emailed him. I said, "Can I e transfer it to this email?" And he's like, "Oh sweet, oh that's awesome. You know, like it's ten bucks." And, and this person was just over the moon. They were like, "Wow, that's so great." And so you know, I I did e I did e transfer it. Some people I. I pay cash if I happen to meet up with them or uh, right. for the most part, um, for the most part, it's e-transfer. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we touched on this. One of the, I guess, I mean, the main reason we're doing the zine is yes, to get the voices out there and to share those stories because those stories are so uplifting, inspiring, and uh, give so much hope to other youth in care uh, who maybe are still in care or are struggling or are um, potentially homeless or are just lost and just feel like they don't matter and feel like they don't belong. That's a big one. A lot of youth in care experience feelings of not belonging anywhere because they've moved around so much. Yeah. Some youth have moved, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times. In the 80s, I worked with a young fellow um, who had moved 63 times from the time he was two until he was 16. Staggering, absolutely staggering. And so this, the zine is, I feel, a place where you can belong and you do belong. And right. You're, you're a part of, you know, this this much larger, larger group. And that's what I found out about skateboarding when I did this last scene is it is also a place where anyone can belong. And I, just, I learned, you know, I learned um, so much about, about that community doing this zine. And I, I'm thinking maybe more youth in care and former youth in care maybe they'll take up skateboarding because they know hey here's a place where i'm going to be accepted people don't care where i came from they don't you know it doesn't matter who i am or where i came from right they're going to encourage me they're going to support me they're going to celebrate uh my accomplishments right so i was very thrilled to do the skate zine i i'm so grateful to everyone who came on board uh and supported the skate zine and shared you know some very touching very touching stories right. i, I talking about the zine sometimes so 
just because I don't know, it's so um it's so powerful and it just makes me, you know, makes me so happy. Yeah, it it would be hard not to to get choked up sometimes. I think with like a subject matter such as this, right? It, it definitely tug at the heartstrings. Yeah, it it never like I've worked with youth in care and youth at risk. Uh, like I said, going into my fifth decade, and I'm I'm going to tell you, it never gets old. Yeah. You never tire of hearing their stories. You never tire of 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 anything, or at least I have never tired of being being with youth um, uh, from you know all walks of life, any age. Um, mostly, I've worked with teens and young adults, but I have worked with. Uh, I was once an EA in a kindergarten, which was. Pretty pretty cool um but yeah it just never gets old and I, as i said i'm very grateful to still be able to uh spend time with youth in care and, and do this zine as a you know as part of part of what i do in life it's pretty great well that uh i was gonna say maybe speaks volumes about you and in your like tenacity and resilience because I could imagine some people involved with the youth care would eventually kind of hit like a limit almost, you know, like being involved with that, giving it your all for, for so long might wear on a person, but you're saying not, I assume not your fifth decade in healthcare, just being alive, but still being in it for so long and then starting a project right means that you like really care about this and you're like great at it and almost meant to be here doing this right because like to be able to have the energy and the motivation to go into a project like this after years servicing this industry and then after a pandemic that i'm sure wore everyone down right so it's like no, I assume not everyone involved in what you're involved in has the tenacity after decades of service to then start a project. Well, to be fair, um, yeah, a lot of people in this field experience burnout. Yeah. Rightly so. And I my heart goes out to anyone who who has burnt out or is struggling with burnout. And like I do want to say. Yes, I've done frontline work, uh, but I have also done other other forms of youth work. Like I was an EA in a um, in a junior high classroom that was, you know, youth with behavior issues and learning disabilities and so on. I've worked in the community. Um, I have worked. I have worked some pretty tough frontline stuff, but I have done so many things. Maybe that's one of the reasons. I haven't burnt out and I don't want to, I would never want, you know, it to be thought that like I am some kind of super person. Um, it, and I, you know, I've raised my own kids, I've raised some other kids. And so I've had, um, I've had breaks here and there. Um, but I mean, I've always worked with youth and care. Like we've had a lot of, you know, um, 
uh, our kids, you know, best friends who, you know, come for a weekend and stayed for three years, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and I've done, you know, I've just done so many things. I feel really, really fortunate that I have, but yeah, burnout is real. And like I said, I, I respect anyone who works in this field. I respect the people who have burnt out because it's tough. It's really, really tough. And that's part of the problem with the system is um, people on the front lines. I think everyone goes into this field uh, because they love kids, because they care about kids and they want to do a good job. And, but eventually uh, they do burn out or they do become jaded. Uh, and that's when it's time to, that's when it's time to get out. That's when it's time to not do the work anymore. Um, or take a break, uh, do something different and, you know, come back. But I salute anyone who's been in this field, short term, long term, been in the field for life. Um, it's, I, I salute them and I, I admire them. And I, you know, I wish everybody, everybody the best. But yeah, it's been a wonderful ride. I, I feel very lucky to have you know, worked with youth for, for most of my life. I really, I've done a few other things, but well, it always comes back to that. So, yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't mind me asking what, what led you, like what got you into this in the first place? Like what, well, if you don't mind sharing a, like a tiny bit of your backstory. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like to. When I was a kid, I, I grew up in a rural community. I actually grew up on a farm, but just outside of the town where I, I grew up, there was, I'm going to call it a boy's home. And so since from a very young age, like let's, let's, let's start at grade seven. Although I was aware of this place when I was very young, but grade so in junior high, those boys that were at those that place, they were kids in care and who had been taken out of their homes and were living at this place. And we went to school with those boys. We played sports with those boys. They were on our hockey teams, uh, all of our school sports teams. They were in the Christmas concerts. Uh, I you know, went horseback riding with some of them. And we formed friendships. We were, it was you know, one big group at that time. They had a classroom in our school. A few of them were integrated. And 90% of the, of the boys were uh, Indigenous. And it, it really, really stuck with me um, from a young age. Because, you know, I wondered, like, why are they there? What is that? What is right. that? And, and, you know, because you became friends and, um, and I'm still in touch with a couple of those old friends, I guess, you know, I just, I, I, I knew that it wasn't right, you know, maybe, or that it, it just wasn't, there's something about it that, and anyways, I guess just because of my relationships with those kids, back then those friendships and also the 
also what followed, you know, when the, when the kids left that place, right. a lot of them, you know, their lives did not turn out well. A lot of same statistics you're seeing now, premature death, alcoholism, drug addiction, incarceration, homelessness. And it, it's heartbreaking to me to this day to think about those kids I went to school with uh, I mean, some of their lives turned out really good, but anyways, that, that was, I, that's the, my foundation. That is why I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to work with kids in care. And I got my first job working with uh, kids in care when I was 20 in, uh, in St. Albert actually. And they were mostly youth in care and they were, but they were referred to at that time as juvenile delinquents and mm -hmm. you know, so kids who'd been in trouble and, and man, I just, I loved it. And I knew I was in the right place and I knew I could make a difference. And, um, you know, I've managed to stay connected with youth going way, way, way back. Then I went to Grant McCune and took the youth development program there and just, you know, have, have continued and including those kids that I went to school with back then and all of the youth that I have worked with since you'll read it and you've read it in the zine too. They are among the most compassionate, kind, courageous individuals you will ever meet. And they are often the absolute funniest people you will ever encounter. They have these outstanding, they have an outstanding sense of humor. Often it's very dark, um, but I, I'm just so lucky to have known so many, uh, so many youth and former, former youth in care. My life is much, much richer um, because of it. And while, you know, you're helping them, they're helping you as well. Yeah, you in a, in a in all kinds of ways that sometimes you don't reflect on until you're older and think, wow! But they have so much to teach us. So that's the that's what inspired me, motivated me, wanted me, or made me want to um, do what I do, and that that continues to to this day. Like, I'll never forget those kids. Right. Yeah, of course. And it, I mean, it sounds like all the, the people you've impacted will probably never forget you either. And, and hopefully, I mean, they can or they cannot, but they might go on to impart some of the stuff you've taught them on other people. So really, the, the changes are kind of like cyclical. Right, like yeah. they'll just keep happening and keep like bettering generations to come, which is yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a sharing of knowledge, and it, it absolutely works both ways. And yeah, I mean, perhaps um, you know, I have touched people in ways that will, um, you know, allow them to to engage with others or, or, you know, make a difference in other people's life. But yeah, it's cyclical. It just, 
it goes around and around and around and it and um you know as it should it's and it's paying it forward paying it back all those things are are really important and and i think yeah that's kind of why i do what i do is is i i want to pay it back and i want to i want to pay respect and i want to pay tribute to all of the the youth in care who have come before us who walk among us now and who will will be there in the future and and all the ones that are making a difference and there's a ton of them man there's movers and shakers out there who are you know were former youth in care um sorry who um are now allies and advocates and lawyers and are uh they're going after it so yeah, that incredible. Like just hearing all this, I can't really like profess enough how how like sentimental the whole like logic of this makes me. But you know, you get to experience it firsthand, and uh, it's incredible. I have I have a question that sort of reverts to something we were talking about that I forgot to ask then, so it's kind of out of out of order, but a lot of your uh, contributors, a lot of your contributors now are kind of writing like from their experience, but you mentioned uh, it would be nice to be able to send people out kind of on assignment. Do you see like in, in the future of Zine and Herd, you having more like assignment based writing and not just like personal experience writing i do i guess um pardon the interruption i just want to take a minute to introduce a new sponsor of the podcast stratus photo lab these guys are great uh just as people and a business i uh, had the privilege of interviewing a couple of them earlier on in my episodes i've been taking all of my film into them they can do colors c41 they can do true black and white they just started offering 120 film processing so uh, i can't can't recommend enough that you take advantage of the service they're offering they have a 24 hour day Dropbox. It's it's really efficient and seamless. It's it's pretty cool just to see how it all works. So they're uh, they're kind of shouldering the entire scene to be honest. They're making it quite possible for me and and people like me to continue to shoot and share their film photos. So once again, can't really vouch for them enough. You can find uh, anything about them on stratusjournal.com. You can also find them on almost all social media platforms as well. Uh, that's that's it, really. Let's uh, get back to the episode. Hope you guys are liking it, and enjoy. Thanks. You know... Like, for example, I, I always think of bands, you know, like how cool would it be to go out and interview a band who, right. you know, some of their members are former youth in care. But also part of that is not everybody wants to write their story. Right. They want 
to tell it, but they need someone to interview them, you know, maybe record the interview and then transcribe it. Or maybe they just want to tell you the story and then you as the writer create it, send it back to them and say, you know, is this okay? Or, you know, for example, like I know that I human has some very, very talented musicians and artists. Um, You know, I, I would love to be able to say to someone, Hey, you know, can you connect with someone at I human and, see who they've got there, you know, who have they got that might like to share their story. And there's never any pressure, any force, any like, you know, you should do this. And, but yeah, I would love to, if that answers your question, I would love to send someone or maybe send someone to inner city high or, um, you know, any number of, of places to connect with, someone with the organization to say yeah hook me up here like let's i would love to write some stories but yeah because not everybody wants to write uh, but they want to tell and so i i definitely yeah i i would see that i would see that happening did that answer your question yeah okay yeah definitely oh like almost actually better I feel the answer was better than the actual question. So that's perfect. Yeah, I was just thinking that I feel a lot of the people who have written stuff for you before I've noticed is kind of like based on their experience, which is great. But then after a while, I wonder if you'll be able to kind of have an idea that you would like to see someone like take a shot at. Oh, definitely. I that that would be very exciting and very cool then for, you know, a Zine and Heard, um, uh, you know, writer or employee to say uh, to, you know, when you interview a band or when you do a music review or, or something, it's, it's their own words, you know, talking about this person, yeah. you know, and I mean, that's reporting, right. And that's, um, uh, yeah, that would be, it's all part of the dream, Wes. It's all part of the dream. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always been a huge fan of, like, the the narrative behind things and, and interviews and all that, but I'm not, no, I'm not lazy at all, actually. I, I like to accomplish things, but I feel a podcast is kind of, like, the laziest way of, like, interviewing and telling a story without any of the extra work like i i really revere any sort of like real journalism like that i just i feel i found a way that i'm talking to people i really look up to and giving them a place to tell their story but anything more than that is almost it's too hard for me to like i was saying i'm gonna start putting a video clips to promote this it's taken me almost a year just to do like a 15 second clip I well can I say this Wes I I think what you do is hard I think you're short selling yourself because you're you know you're interviewing people in person in the moment and you don't have any control over really what they're going to say or how they're going to react. Yeah. You know, the whole thing could go sideways where writing, 
a story man you got you know you got the interviews you got all the clips and, and you can sit for hours and perfect this piece so i i love what you do too i think it's it's just your podcast i was able to listen to a few especially the one with uh i, I did listen to lyle bell's first and i just love it it's like it's so natural and so smooth but if you weren't a good guide if you weren't a good guide in your podcast, uh, the podcasts would not be what they are as good. And so uh, I, I don't think a podcast is easy. I think writing is easy, but I, I, would, I, I admire what you do and I, I, uh, it's important. Well, thank you. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just everyone thinks their method of whatever they like their way of conveying energy maybe they just assume it's the easiest one because it's <laughs> what, what they know but yeah my my mom actually used to be a reporter for ctv and my dad is an american literature professor at the university so i have i mean my parents are awesome they never forced anything on me but I learned from both of them like those those two aspects of journalism and then I I I always joke with them like I I took two incredible like educations from both of you and then just did the laziest form of journalism <laughs> but <laughs> I just find that very funny yeah they, I'm uh, sure they are very proud of you yeah, they, they they're great, and they both. I don't I don't think it's a lot to keep up with. I wouldn't expect them to listen to every episode, but I know they they tune in and they they know that I poke fun at myself through what they've shown me. But uh, I know actually this is way out of order too and backtracking. But I'm wondering. <laughs> Uh, when you're talking about your first publication that you were doing the, the zine or the newsletter, was there many other zines coming out of the city at that time? Like I always try to to kind of pinpoint like a history of, of zines like in the world and especially locally. Whenever I ask people who may have been doing stuff back then, if there were others, the answer is is kind of no, right? Um, so, like, was was there other, maybe not even actually not even in the same lane at all? Was there anyone else even just publishing their own ideas and getting it out as you are, like in the field hand to hand? You're talking about 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, not not that I was aware of. Mind you, we were a rural community, right? Um, but no, not, not that I, not that I was aware of. And that was like, I'd have to check, but I think it was 1999 through 2001, or maybe it was 2000. And it was, it was actually called the Bad Out of Hell Media Club, which in itself was very, <laughs> was very, um, you know, concerning to the community, but that stood for Bon Accord Teen because, and then the hell part, well, you know, just can be hell living in a small town. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't, I don't 
think like or not that I was aware of, but then I was just very focused on my my little community and and these you know these troubled youth that were in it and how I could. I was running the teen center at the time too. I ran the teen center here for about four years. So this, you know, that's part of how I knew all the kids, you know, right. in town that were, you know, catching a bad rap and, you know, had a, had legitimate, uh, legitimate issues and legitimate reasons why they were the way they were. Right. Uh, this is probably the most boring of the questions, but how <laughs> how did you like know what a zine was twenty five years ago? Like with the internet and stuff, how did someone from a rural, like a smaller city in in Alberta, how did you even know what a zine was? You know, that's not a boring question. That's a really that's a really good question. Um, did I even know what a zine was? I think I, I did. And I'd, you know, you know, that's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that, Wes. I guess my, my motivation, like, because I was a writer right. and I kind of knew the power of, of print. Um, and I just, you know, was like, oh, this would be a cool thing to do. Uh, that was kind of my motivation but you know it'll it might come to me before the end of the podcast because it seems to me I had seen some things over the years and one of them may have been at Grant McEwen um but I wasn't really I guess going by anything specific that you know as an example or as something that I had seen a lot of a lot of people I've talked to recently, when I asked them kind of the same thing, they attribute a lot of their, uh, like them learning about zines back then through uh, the punk scene. Yeah. Yeah, see, my, my, um, my oldest son, uh, let's see, he started his first, or like they started their first punk band in our garage in 2000 and so then i i became very you know interested and active in in the punk scene and yeah very cool zines in that community for sure but that was that was just shortly after i started this this project and i call it a zine because it you know it was but it was a larger format right you know, it was an eight and a half by them folded I don't know how many pages I'm looking up in my closet because they're in a binder up there. Um, so, but it was definitely for all intents and purposes, uh, a zine. So, but yeah, punk, punk scene. I have picked up many zines along the way as, as my son has, you know, progressed uh, in the, in the punk rock scene, went to many, many shows. I also love that community. I said to someone just the other day, I said, you know, I've been to, I, I couldn't even tell you how many punk shows, you know, hall show, you, you name it. I've, I've been to so many shows and I continue to go to shows. I'm actually going to one today. I don't think I've ever opened a door for myself at a punk show. I 
find well there's many things i love about the about the punk scene but i have always found uh people in the punk scene to be a very very polite very respectful really good manners and and very real i've always enjoyed being around the scene uh, meeting people um and I actually started a punk band at a group home that i was um kind of looking after um which was a really great experience uh but yeah going back to your original questions uh or question yeah punk zines for sure but i i don't know what came before that for me when i started that one in uh i think it was 99 or 2000 well i just i know a lot of the young younger people i talk to and and again like whenever i i kind of group all these young people together it's not really a pejorative thing but i i feel nowadays zines have kind of become like you know it's a mainly i see zines used in the way of like an instagram photographer or something puts a zine together to kind of sell it to make a bit of money which nothing wrong with but I feel a lot of people don't understand that when zines were first kind of introduced, like in the, I mean, I don't know exactly when, but I, I would say as far back 1930s. as the 70s. Oh, really? 1930s, yeah. First zines were in the 1930s. They were sci-fi. They were like uh, kind of like the sci-fi community uh, ah. had underground zines. And, and then they've just kind of came and went since then you know they, yes but they were very big made a huge comeback in the 70s in the in the punk scene and then you know the feminists uh, really uh have took the zine to all new heights and which has been uh, really important but sorry go ahead well that that's what i'm saying i mean feminist great example it was i feel back then it was used more as like a vessel for to get information out, so there was a lot of political themes, a lot of like yes. punk and hardcore, and now it's been watered down a bit by some of the newer ones coming out. And a lot of a lot of the younger people I talk to have no idea that you used to be able to go to a punk show and there would be a table of you know like food not bombs is a big one. A lot of like really, really great information that they wanted other people to have. That was kind of the way to get it out. Yeah. And I feel it's it still happens that way, but it's a bit more like rarefied. And a lot of the like new generation don't really understand the roots of, of zines. And and I actually I had no idea that it was the sci-fi stuff in the 30s. I thought it was kind of when all the counterculture like music was introduced in the 70s and 80s yeah it does go back to the 1930s i've done you know i've done a bit of research on it it's it's really interesting um you know zines traditionally have been started by marginalized groups right groups that are not understood and like you said groups who want to get their message out there you know that, that but i mean they have evolved and you know zines are are a different thing now but that's 100 why we started this zine was because 
we want to get the message out. I mean, how often do you hear about former youth in care? How yeah. often do you hear about, I mean, did does anybody know the statistics that surround youth aging out of care? And so, and or but and also, as we talked about earlier, does anybody know that a youth in care go on to be veterinarians, lawyers, teachers, um, jockeys, pro skateboarders, uh, authors, best-selling authors such as Brandy Morin and Jesse Thistle? Um, so that is that is the that is the foundation of the zine. Really, is to yeah get get the word out. And as you know, it's a little bit political in nature. You know, there are there are some issues that we want to address and. I don't know what better way to address it than in a zine that goes into the hands of people who are actually going to read it and who are actually going to care and are going to share that information in, in conversation. Right. Yeah. The whole thing, like when I, I read, read an issue of zine and nerd or just look at like the post, it, like I mean, I wasn't I wasn't even around in the seventies. Definitely not reading zines, but from what I hear about how zines kind of worked back then, your zine now really reminds me of of all of that. So as I'm talking about like the new kind of use for zines and the way I see them more circulated, your not against it you're just kind of the opposite and you're like doing an older uh like an like you have an older way of doing things but a modern way of like distributing it which is i think pretty rare in a lot of like you know like bands were much better than everything was better then and a lot of people don't like take the good parts of the old stuff and then use the new ways to get it out but it seems you've like found a good way to kind of fuse the two well, and again you. like it seems organic which is why i like it even more like if someone you know if someone could sit down with like a marketing team and figure out how to make something feel like the 70s but it's now but you just seem <laughs> to have done it organically probably because I've, I've been around since the 50s Live the 70s, love the 70s. I've loved every year, but thank you so much, Wes. That's a real compliment. And it really makes me really happy and makes me feel good to hear you say that because um, well, we didn't like, you know, didn't start it saying, oh, I'm going to capture the essence of, you know, the 70s. Yeah. It didn't really, you know, didn't really have, I mean, I had a plan, but wasn't um really shooting for anything in particular and it's, it's so funny when you mentioned like okay so if you sat down with a marketing team and you know made a plan to market it um it, it probably would have turned out a lot different and wouldn't yeah. have been organic and I, I really appreciate your your point and i'm so glad that you perceive it that way and i think a lot of a lot of people will it's it's like a new zine with that old edge. Like yeah. All it, all it it actually has an edge. And, and people have said there's so much in there. 
And some of it, like I did, you know, for example, someone messaged me and said, whoa, I, I saw that page and it only had two words on it. She said, but I, it, it threw me back. It, it, it just took me aback. And I really had to sit there and think about that page for for a while and it was the page where the little kid is writing on the blackboard and it just says believe us right and underneath it says youth in care because so often they are not believed but as opposed to writing a whole say piece or, or something about you know why aren't kids in care like do it with a graphic and do it with something impactful that really is going to make people sit back and say, whoa, you know, wow, that that's the images and the black and white, of course, which is traditional. Um, the black and white is, is so, is so powerful. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad someone did ask me uh, a few days back, um, are you ever going to print in color? And I was like, you know what, even if I won a lottery and could afford it, I wouldn't print in color because just the black and white is it's so powerful and it's just the way to go so that that would have been my next question actually oh, okay. black and white is is kind of here to say oh yeah but i i agree i um i mean i take both if uh you know you're thinking about my instagram lately it's a lot of black and white i i do do both i'm just kind of in a phase of, of taking on the black and whites. But I feel black and white is very powerful in a way that it it almost gives like more uh like more force to an image because I feel you're not thinking like you're not distracted by the colors. Yeah. And like being distracted by the colors is great sometimes, but a black and white photo makes me at least look at just the actual like what the photo is saying the story behind it and the structure to the photo and not just thinking like oh yeah there's a bright color like you know maybe it's not necessarily such a hard hitting photo but the colors are really vibrant black and white lets you kind of like break it down to the rawest form and just yeah. like like absorb the info so I'm assuming that's the point with the it, yeah it, it totally it totally is like i said even if if money was no object i would not print in color there is one page that i would and if i ever can in the future i'm going to it's the uh you are not forgotten page on the at the very back of the oh, scene right, right, right. i would really really at some point in time when we can i think i i, I want to print the dress in red on the black and white background. I, that is one pop and the only pop of color I would want in the zine. And that's, you know, that's all part of the dream down the road too. Um, but that would be the only color you would ever, you would ever see. And there, there's a reason for it. It would be meaningful color. So. Yeah. I wonder if as, as time goes, like as you publish more and more copies, there'll be uh more and more things that you think would need like a splash of color and then you might be able to release like one color issue 
for like a 10 year anniversary or something like one really impactful group of all the photos that really needed the color. But no, I I agree that the the black and white really like speaks. You can like focus more on on what the photo is saying. Yeah, that that's just my opinion, right? Some people may disagree, but is there anyone? Uh, have people like put two and two together that you used to make the bat out of hell, and then twenty five years later you're doing this one? Or is it like too too far of a gap for anyone to bridge? Well, my kids obviously are like, yeah. oh, sweet, you know. Um, I'm sure if if any of the youth who were involved in that uh, project saw this, <laughs> they'd be they'd be over the moon. They'd be so happy, and they'd be like, yes, yeah, she's still doing it. She's still out there. Um, Older people, like, you know, my friends of mine here in town who've seen the zine, they're like, oh, yeah, you're still, you know, you're still doing it. And then they'll talk about how much they loved, uh, you know, the one back, you know, back then. And what a difference, what a difference it made in the community. You know, it did impact the whole community. Most importantly, the lives of the youth who were involved in it. But yeah, um, yeah, hard to say. I think people would be really happy, but some of them would be kind of scared to open it. They'd be like, "Oh no, what she put in this?" Yeah. Do you? Uh, you said you were looking in in your closet because you had them all. Do you? You still have like the master copies of the old ones? I do. I do. That I, would be. I mean, I would love to see them. I wonder if you could ever like re re-release them and that would kind of be like a, a time capsule and it would let everyone now know what was happening back then like a lot of a lot of your readers might not have even been born for years you know it's like pretty yeah you know damn i should have put because the front page of one of them is the mayor on the skateboard and you know i just thinking about it now that would have been a really funny, fun thing to do in the skate scene. But you know what? You're you're inspiring me. Um, I yeah, I'm looking at that binder right now, and yeah, I think I have every copy that we did. And it was, you know, it wasn't every month on the date. It was like yeah, maybe every six weeks, or maybe once a month, or maybe we go two months. You know, it was sporadic, but I mean relatively regularly and i mean we had no funding either we yeah. had we had nothing so um i mean the odd the odd business would put an ad in that helped with the printing costs um but yeah thank you wes i might just have to you know put a little editorial in one of them saying uh you know, this is this is a little history behind, um, you know, why I'm doing a zine now kind of thing. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think it would be great to, <laughs> to like give some of the new people some contacts. Like I'm sort of complaining, yeah. all the new kids don't know exactly what zines were kind of used for. That would kind of be a a great way to show them firsthand. Like this is is what we used it 
for back then and then fast forward to now we're using for the same sort of thing same yeah same thing in fact any you know a younger person who picks up this zine is immediately going to uh they're going to be like oh in fact what someone said to me after i think the second or third zine uh is she said, yeah, I picked up the zine and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is a government publication. Going to be, you know, just a bunch of crap. Yeah. And she said, and then I started reading it and I said, whoa, this is the real deal. Those were her words. That, and, uh, so, I, yeah. I would say that's a huge compliment just because huge. looking at it, she thought it was professional enough to be put out by the government so yeah, just at first glance that's a compliment and then being yes. much better than the government is also a huge compliment yeah so, well and it's written by the real people it's it's not you know it's written by uh actual youth and care and former youth and care very little of our content is written by anybody else right um, and it you know, it is political. It is, I, you know, we tell the truth. We also tell the truth in, in, in the zine. And it is a, a great, a great platform to be able to do that. Uh, I've, I've noticed that you touched like just briefly on, um, I think it was like government assistance and like funding and that type of thing. Like, do you, uh, do you have any intent to like talk more about that and kind of expose the that system as being like not as helpful as they would like to think it is? Oh, the funding for youth and care, you mean? Yeah, or like I mean, I don't know if you know this. I'm in a wheelchair, so I I'm I kind of got out of it, but I for a while was like receiving H, and it's. Mm -hmm it's the worst system to ever exist. Oh, wow. And they're like, they're really, they mistreat people as well. So I wonder like you don't have the platform to speak on Ooh. things like this. Well, as a matter of fact, a trend right now, uh, I'll try to make it short, but a trend right now, because when they lowered the age, the, you know, the judges in, in the court of appeal said, okay, well, if you're going to lower the age, you better have something in place for these, you know, 500 youth every year that right. are being cut. And so one, a, a bit of the trend right now is to uh, have youth um, referred to age um, and have them, you know, um, hopefully qualify for age. So I would say, and I'm really glad you brought it up, I would say that could very well become something that we talk about, you know, um, because it's sort of, and I mean, it's not a bad thing uh, necessarily, but yeah, wow, it is something that should be watchdogged maybe is, is a good term. Um, to make sure that youth aren't just being, you know, put on age and warehoused, like put on age and forgotten about. Um, 
And I'm a little bit familiar with that system. And I, I mean, I, I think we're very fortunate to have Asian that oh, it's uh, yeah, the best program in Canada, I, I believe. Um, but all programs need to be uh, watched, need to be um, kept accountable right. to the people that they serve. And so I'm really glad you brought that up because there is, uh, mind you, you know, you it isn't easy to get on H. Like anybody who thinks it's easy, it is not. It is a huge process. And, and it's a lot, it's harder now from what I, I hear. Yeah. I, I got on like probably over 15 years ago when I started receiving it and it was a lot easier back then. And now uh, I think there's a lot more like paperwork, a lot. I, I also think about, you know, how like I, I'm lucky enough to have like family and, and a partner and that really helps right. out with stuff like that. So I can usually kind of like get that done. But I try to empathize with someone who maybe is experiencing like a lot more of their mental or physical disability than I am without like family or anyone to help, like it would be so hard for them to to get on something like that. Oh man. And I I was just curious because like as as you're talking about, you know, telling the truth and like having access to all these contributors that firsthand have experienced things like this. I just wonder if you're in a place to get people to talk about like the funding and, and that side of things and be able to maybe put the story out there in a more honest way than it's really being depicted so far. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really um, great idea. And you are right. It is harder now. It's, and I'm really glad you brought up the subject of support. Like you're, those of us who have families, friends, partners, support systems, we're very lucky. And it enables us to uh, to get things, to have things, to keep things, to feel good about things. Youth and care are often, like, often have no one. They have no family. They have not been able to maintain friendships, again, because they move around so much. And relationships are tough for them. The new TAP program has severed their ties with their long-term caseworkers in a lot of cases, which is critical. Um, and so a lot of youth in care, are they're going it on their own. Can you imagine navigating the ACE application and the follow-up and all of that on your own at age you know, 19, 20, 21, even into your, into your twenties, because a lot of times those supports are missing. They're just not there. And this is where uh, people fall through those, you know, two foot cracks. Yeah. They're falling through and they're not able to get back up through that crack to get what they want. So um yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I think that's probably something that will be coming up and that people are going to want to talk about. 
Yeah, I I hope so. I just thought it was kind of interesting that I've talked to 58 guests prior to you, and I would be surprised if any of them even knew what Aish was. So to be able to actually ask someone about something they understood, I felt going to have to seize the opportunity. Oh, right on. I'm glad glad you did. I know. Oh, I know a lot of people who are on Aish, like, I would say uh, several for sure. And uh, most of them are former youth in care and and who have, you know, obviously legitimate uh, permanent uh, disabilities. And I'm very grateful that they have been able to receive AISH, but there are so many who again have fallen, uh, have fallen through those cracks. Yeah, that's, that that's really really good I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and you know yeah in fact i can just think of a few people right off the top of my head who might want to talk about it and i have a youth you know someone right now that i'm helping navigate the h application and um i i am very hopeful that they will be accepted and that they will have that security uh, going forward because they've been in care their entire life. And, yeah, uh, I I should have prefaced all that by saying like, Aish is an incredible, like, parts of it are incredible. It's definitely amazing that they have something in place that can help people. I just, certain aspects of it aren't, yeah. aren't the best and, and that's what I would hope that you guys or you and your contributors could like shed some light on, but yeah, it will probably, you know what? It's bound to happen. Yeah. When I think about it, because it is also part of that system um, for, you know, for youth and care informers. Uh, It is, it is connected, um, you know, to that, to that system and to the, to the transition uh, that they they go through into into adulthood, uh, so yeah, I would I would not be surprised that it comes up, and maybe I'll you know, maybe I'll just start you know encouraging people to talk about to talk about what it was like you know to transition from one to the other and uh, what their experience has been because yeah, it is about telling the truth. Yeah. It- could just be another one of those things that the info is out there and and you know the people you can speak on it it's just something that's not as openly talked about as like most most of the subject matter you guys deal with really needs to be out there and there are a lot of people to speak on it but it's kind of rare that it's like a a public discussion right so for sure i think that would fall i mean i don't i don't want to and I'll tell you what I feel you should be putting in your issues. Yeah, no. but... It's kind of a natural. It's kind of something oh, that yeah. will probably, um, yeah, I just met with a young girl the other day who is, uh, you know, raised in care and uh, is is now on, on disability uh, through AISH and been a lifesaver for her. Um, but you're right, there are, there are concerns. There are legitimate concerns and definitely areas for improvement. Yeah, and- I 
I mean, I, I guess everything in life kind of has areas for improvement, but. Yeah, but it's, but not everything in life directly affects humans, like directly affects lives. Yeah. You know, you know what? I, I know you, you mentioned you're going to a show. So I'm, uh, I'll let you get back to your day. I, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. You know, like I was saying, I always feel bad kind of like fanning out on a guest because I don't want any of the other guests to feel like I prioritize someone more. But I'm, I mean, I was a absolutely huge fan of what you were doing before this, but now I'm a super fan. Oh. Uh, of what you're doing now that you were able to kind of like contextualize it and explain it a bit more. So I'm I'm super grateful to be able to have this talk. Uh, before I let you go, do you want to promote, let people know like where they can find Zine and Herd on, on the internet? You bet. Um, so you can go to our website and actually read the zines and that's zineandherd.ca. Uh, they are available at the 124th Street Skate Shop, Audrey's, 120, or I mean, uh, the Glass Bookshop, Rumors, Rumor Board Shop, Nine Times Skate Shop. Um, those are the those are the public places, and right. then um, you know the rest are like agencies, private agencies. Oh, the Metro, get to the Metro Cinema and pick up your free copy if there's if there's any left. They do tend to go pretty fast. Um, Instagram, poor zine underscore and underscore herd on Instagram. I got to get my Facebook up to date. I, I, I find it hard to keep up, kind of keep up with all the social media, but I'm, you know, doing the best I can. That's another person I'd like to hire. Wes, I would like to hire someone to, you know, do some of the social media. Oh. And, um, <clears throat> also, oh, we have a fundraiser coming up. Perfect. I don't have the deets, but Clint and I are working on a humzener, I call it. It's going to be a, uh, we're going to, I know this much, there's going to be bands and there's going to be some really cool uh, stuff that we're going to be raffling off. And because, yeah, we're, we really need the funding. And so we'll be advertising that on social media and in the zine. I don't even know when it's going to be. I think maybe July. When, whenever that does, whenever you have more like solidified details, let me know. Okay. I, uh, I would love to promote it or even uh, if I could like donate a print or if I could help out in any way, I, I would love to. Absolutely. That would be amazing because I am, I am looking for donations for a, uh, a, a probably a raffle um, or a silent auction. I don't know. We're just in the very plan, planning stages. Clint said, yeah. maybe until next week, I got this mom. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a good one and a big one. And, um, and yeah. So, and also like if anybody wants to donate or support, they can go on our website to uh, zineandherd.ca slash support. Um, it's, it's pretty wide open. We just, yeah, we're just flying by the seat of our pants and, you know, hoping for a jumbo jet to come in and kind of pick us up and, 
take us towards those dreams? You know, I'm maybe you can see my brain is blowing up right now. <laughs> are, okay. are you Clint's mom? Yes. I I had no idea. I went to high school I, with Clint. I know. I assumed that you knew because when I, I said, oh, Wes wants to interview me about the zine. And he was so excited. He was like, wow, mom, that is so cool. And like, I've, I've known about you for a long time. I've known about um, Nowhere Fast, your clothing line, like so on and so forth. I assumed that you knew I was Clint's mom. I I mean I I should have put the last names together. Oh, I had no idea. That is incredible. Oh, it man! I have four kids. I I won four lotteries. Clint is one of them. Yeah, uh, Clint Emma Riley Chasm. They are all the most wonderful, amazing, supportive, fun friends you could have in the world. And no, I I. Well, that's why I've been in the punk, you know, been all, you know, in the punk scenes. Yeah, when you <laughs> said that, I didn't, I didn't know if it was any of my business. So I was going to ask like, oh, what band was your son in? But yeah. that's incredible. You know, Clint is actually, uh, we did a, a beer collab with Town Square and Nick Kosib was the, the brewer at the time, and Clint pretty much single-handedly set all that up or set it in motion. Yep. And it ended up being like the funnest project and the oh, best yeah. like party I've ever been a part of. So that's he incredible. told me all about it when when he was planning that event, he told me all about it. Like it, and and I was like, oh man, that's so cool! And he's so excited about what you do, and that Nick was the brewer, and um, yeah, I I am truly blessed. And so knowing that he's putting together this fundraiser, well, I mean, with my help, and there's some other pretty couple of really cool people on board already that I'm aware of. I won't I won't say who, but um, very very excited about this event and i'm pretty sure it's going to raise enough money that we can print you know at least four more zines i mean we'll keep going no matter what yeah but very excited about this fundraiser and i will definitely get a hold of you about donating a print west that would be fantastic any anything i i can do to help that would be that would be, that would be so great yeah and <laughs> i mean if he, if he's helping you then absolutely it'll be a huge event oh, like for any anything i know he's worked on is always phenomenal That's, oh it'll be good this is a funny note to leave on that yeah my brain exploded when you said clint that it's a he's never mentioned it either well I didn't want to name drop, you know, just going in to the interview. <laughs> and I just, I don't know why, I guess I, I just assumed that, you know, you'd, you'd know my, he was my son and I didn't, you know, really think to bring it up anyways, but I'm glad we got, <laughs> I'm glad we figured that out. And um, yeah, it's going to be a kicker. It's going to be an amazing event. I just, I know it, I feel it, and I'm so excited about it and uh, so grateful to Clint and to everybody who's going to help out with that. And again, 
so grateful to have been on this podcast. It means so much to me. It was so much fun. And I feel like it's really going to have an impact and, you know, have people more people picking up the zine and reading it and, and uh, helping us work towards, you know, the, uh, our, our ultimate dreams and goals. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully you achieve all these dreams. It seems like you're, you're in the process I, of achieving. I just know I will. I just, I just know I will. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's annoying. And I trust in the universe, you know, and when you're doing something good, good things are going to come your way. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, thank you so much and en- you, enjoy the rest so of your weekend. You and you too. I will let you leave. Or do you want me to leave first? Uh, we can leave at the same time. And, and okay. It's really all thank good. Thank you but so much. Yeah, thank you. And, and we'll and talk please, again. Yeah, let me know uh, details about the fundraiser, and uh, I'll I'll think of ways to help. Yeah, just put it out there on Instagram or whatever you can do, and I will definitely hit you up for a print. That is a guarantee. Perfect. Thank All right, you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye for now.